following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. With me, as always, my co-host Matt Keo. Matt, how we doing today? Good. Matt's always Matt's Matt's always got the intro, and he's just good. Yeah. Yep. Here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we are. We're coming in hot with with coming in hot. What was it? What did it get up to today? Seventy five. 80 i mean it was i don't know i've been inside all day it was a hot did you go outside we didn't because our backfield is still all muddy muddy yeah so it was a beautiful day if you had Um, turf i feel like you could go outside today oh absolutely i mean track and field today was the first like day where it was glorious for practice did you say glorious glorious i feel like glorious is an underused word but it was glorious today more of a religious aspect but yeah I saw blue, and he looked glorious. Um, from uh, old school, you don't remember? Oh yeah, yeah. He was glorious. No, and of course my my uh, dummy self didn't wear any shorts, so I was out there with uh, just t shirt and um, the sweatpants, regular sweatpants. I was dying. Yeah. Um. So I got to dress appropriately. Did some? Did I hear that we could get snow we, this yeah. week? Mm-hmm. One day. Are you kidding me? No. We've got a track meet tomorrow against NT, our first league meet of the year, which is going to be fun. But I, I don't want snow. It's supposed to be fifty tomorrow. Really? Mm-hmm. Fifty and sunny. <sighs> so I guess the sweatpants are staying on for a while. Yeah. But no, it's been it's been all. We had a good. Uh, we're continuing with the coming in hot. We had a good track meet on Saturday. We went out to Batavia, did their invite. It was fun. I had a lot of, uh, I didn't realize just how young my team was, just how many new um, athletes to the sport I had really until yesterday, um, where we had a couple of girls. Um, all my girls ran really well, but you always get those um, in the 800 where they, until you learn how to pace out an 800, it can be tough. Yeah, it's rough. And I remember I remember my first 800 when I ran in high school. I did the same thing that my girls did on the four, their 4x8 relay, where they came out in the first lap. Yeah, they like started off really bad hard. Bad out of hell. And by that, last, by that last 200 or even last 100, you're just... You're ready to pass out. Like you're mm. like, oh my god, I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. You know what? And to their credit, though, I mean, one they, um, the one still had a split of three hundred five. The other one had a two fifty, two fifty, two fifty five. So still, I mean, wasn't a horrible split at all for an eight hundred. But at the same, or wasn't a horrible eight hundred. But at the same point, um, they both looked at me. They're like, Coach, I died. I had no. I'm like, yes, oh, yeah. I understand that. And you know you have you have a you, you have a little laugh with them with them you share stories but you let them know that it's just 
you can tell somebody how to pace everything out, but until they actually do it, right? You, you can't know, code like you. They have to learn that for yeah. themselves. And you just you learn by experience. Yeah. You learn by you learn by doing. So that was uh, that was always fun. But we did we did really well. Um, did you in in high school? Did you like the big invites like the the fifteen twenty? I think there was. 16 teams at the one on Saturday. I went to one Invitationals in my entire track career, which was only one year. Um, and it was in middle school, actually. Oh, wait, you were in middle school or was yeah. the middle school track team? I was in middle school. Okay. I was in eighth grade and I actually had, I got invited and they put me in the 800 for the Invitational. Wow. Yeah. For running varsity? Uh, no, eighth grade track. Oh, so, okay. Like modified. But like, yeah, it was bad. I love the invites, though. I hated it. They're, the invites are they're way better than duels. Duels are fun, but you're only competing against one school. Right. Where the invites, you get like 15, 16, sometimes 20 um, other schools there. You know, By that time, you know a lot of the same coaches have been doing it year in and year out. So Yeah, I publicly embarrassed myself in front of more schools than I would have in a regular. <laughs> because of do you remember your 800? Yeah, because I was a sprinter, and they made me run an 800. Did you do that same where you just oh, came yeah. out like a bat out of hell? Yeah, because, like, you're doing the 800. I'm like, okay, um, the longest I do, 200. And, like, I did 200 and 100. So, I like, and then I'm all out here doing the 800, and I'm crying on, like, the last lap because everybody else ended, and I'm just taking the first turn because, like, I can't do it. And it, it was embarrassing. And I got a bunch of pity claps at the end. Oh, no. Yeah. there it, There's nothing worse at and the people that do it, they're not trying to be mean. I've done it. You're not trying to be mean. But as a runner, you hear that pity clap. You just want us in your head, at least for me, I'm like, just shut up. Stop it. You just want to die. Stop it. Yeah, it makes me feel so sad. And they're like, good job. You tried. And I was just like, well, this isn't my event. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, it was the other way around. Like, I was used to, it wasn't so much the endurance. Like, I was used to doing the 15 and or the 16 and the 32. The mile and the two mile, for me, it was just, I looked at it like, all right, this is only an 800. I should be able to sprint the whole thing. I've got all kinds of endurance. I'm, this is going to be a cakewalk. Let me just go out there. I'm going to you know, bust this thing wide open. And I, told, I knew how to pace a 16. I knew how to pace a 32. I had no idea how to pace an 8. And I just looked at it. I was like, whatever. I'm, this is going to be easy. And it wasn't easy. And I literally tried to sprint the entire thing. And by that 450, 600 mark, somewhere between there, I was, like, ready to die. Just because I was never really that fast anyways, hence why I was distance and not a sprinter. But everything, like, my calves were cramping. Everything was cramping. I'm, like, I was running on my toes the whole time, mm -hmm. which I'm not used to doing that for, for distance. For distance, I get up on my toes, I think maybe like the last 100 or 200 to sprint. At the end, I just was in pain. But then once you learn how to sprint it, I mean, I, I didn't do any more open eights, but I did the <laughs> the 4 by 8 really, um, which was, you know, you're still running an 800, but I actually did much better than trying to sprint the entire thing. Right. You so, just, yeah. yeah. If no, it's not your event, it's difficult. Mine was definitely more of arrogance, where I'm the, oh, I'm a distance 800. That's easy. I can do that in my sleep, and no. I was just happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Draft week. Draft week. Draft week. 
I'm stoked. I never watched the draft, but. You don't? No. Do you just, what, just kind of randomly check on what the Bills do? Yeah. or I, I mean, like, I check who picks up what, and I like I like watching, like, the combine and stuff. See, I'm not more of a, I'm not much of a combine. I'll look to see at the end, all right, who ran what, who did this. I'm definitely more. flawed, though, in so many ways. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, you need all those attributes, but there's a difference between running uh, a 40 without pads and running yeah. a 40 with pads, which I always thought they should have them with pads. Yeah. Why do you Why do you care on how fast somebody is without pads? Or, I mean, you're not, you're never going to play it down. It's not like, hey, Matt, take off the pads and just go run deep. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand the point of it, but I don't feel like it should carry as much weight as it does. No. Um, but yeah, I like watching that better than the draft because at least I'm like I'm watching people do stuff rather than people just sit around talking on the phone. I could see that draft day or draft combine. It's almost more like uh, a track and field meet yeah, or something, more rather, like a sporting event. Yeah, but yeah, draft week, big draft week, big draft week. I'm so excited about this one. Different I, draft class. You different just, draft class. You haven't really, and maybe it's because there's really no like um, big quarterback. Big quarterback. Yeah. Um, but the, I, you're right. There has been. It's definitely been more low key. Or at least, you know, nationally. Like, I haven't really yeah. heard all that much about it. Yeah, there's no, like, Trevor Lawrence. There's no, like, you know. There's no Mayfield. Uh, no with Murray. You know, whether it was especially Allen's year when it was Allen, Mayfield, Jackson, yeah. Darnold. Um, Rob, Joe Josh Ro- Rosen. Josh Rosen, not Joe Rosen. Not Josh Rosen. Is he still in the league anymore? No, he's out. He's out, out, he's done, out, done. Out. Just like Nate Peterman. Yeah. He's also out, out. Peterman, that was the year before... He was the year before Allen, but wow. No, he was, was he? He yeah. was, yeah. Because Buffalo picked him up in fourth round, fifth round, whatever round yeah. he picked him up. Yeah. And he proceeded to throw more interceptions and completions, I think. All right. He was a bad quarterback, but if you watched him in like college, he was actually pretty decent. Oh, I, I mean, you have to be a decent anything to get drafted. It's not like it's not it's not like you're having a terrible college career and you're going to get drafted. True. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be a decent a decent anything, whatever position you are, to get drafted in the NFL. But I think that's where you get the big fish at a small pond type of deal. Like you might like you know how you get kids, especially at smaller high schools, where they're the best runner they're yeah. the best basketball player they're they the best they're the thing but they're playing against much lesser talent yeah. you know when you get to college some of them flame out because now they're playing against every other high schools yeah. especially in the bigger programs they're playing against every other high schools top athletes and some of them rise to the challenge others can't same thing in the NFL now you're playing you know against all the top athletes from not only your conference, but from the SEC, the Big Ten, um, the ACC, every big yeah. name college. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, my hopes is always to see. I don't know if this is bad or not, but like my hopes are to always to see like who the analysts think are going to be like the big thing, and then proceed to watch how that turns out, like if they're a flop or not. Yeah. Well, that's why they say supposedly you can't really grade a draft class until three years after right. that draft class. But 
yeah, I would love to see, and I know sometimes you get redrafts or whatever, where where would they fall now? Mm-hmm. But I would love to see analysts have an episode on talk about like, all right, let's let's revisit the 2019 draft and see where it happened. You know, there's a lot of videos on YouTube actually like that about redrafting, like with top analysts or just um, like sport people. Like, so I watched this one like urinating tree. Um, yeah, I know, great name. Urinating Tree? Yeah, but, like, so, for example, one of his, like, he's a big sports YouTuber, and he does, like, sports ball week, so depending on, like, whatever, so, like, during the football season, he'll go over every game and, like, point out, like, he does it in a comedic way. Uh, okay. He does it for, like, hockey, he does it for, and he does it for each playoffs, and he also does it for drafts, like, of that current, and then he starts revisiting them. So, like, he just did a video a couple of days, like, weeks ago that revisited the 2019 draft. Oh, okay. And he was, points out like where like the top picks ended up, like where they ended up, where they should have ended up, how they up. ended up, yeah, yeah, and where they are now, yeah. Okay. So I mean, like, th- there's stuff out there, but not by like the NFL, no, because <laughs> they I, don't want to show that. But I, I mean, it's you hear about it every year. Um, draft bus, yeah, uh, didn't live up to his potential. Sammy Watkins was a draft bust. Was he though? Yes. He was. He, okay, he... For the potential and the clout that he had, there's no way he lived up to it. That's an interesting one, because when I think of draft bust, I'm thinking of, like, a Jamarcus Russell, uh, a Ryan Leaf, like, a guy that maybe, maybe had, after, like, two, three years, like, nobody wants him. Like, nobody, not even for a backup, not even for, like, uh, depth on a roster, Nobody wants him. Like Josh Rosen, apparently. He just gone. Yeah, he's gone, gone. Um so I think of I think of more like that. He was definitely he definitely didn't live up to his potential. Bust? I don't know. I guess you can make a case for him being a bust since he was a first round pick. Um yeah. if you redid his draft. I he's probably going third round. I was gonna say sold third round. I would he's probably going on. third round. Definitely wouldn't trade up. Definitely wouldn't pass over Khalil Mack for him. Oh, gosh. Khalil Mack. Oh, man. I wish we got him. He would look so good in a Bills uniform right now. Well, I don't want him now. I'd still take him now. He's only, what, 30? He's about Von Miller's age, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I'd rather take Von Miller because he actually has postseason experience and winning two Super Bowls. Very true. Um but my question is, what do you think? Do you rather have like the J- the GM coach pairing, or would you have like the GM coach combo? Where like, would you have like Bill Belichick or or um, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean? I think you got to have two. I think I like the pairing with the GM and the coach interacting, just because sometimes, and I've had this happen to me as a coach. You. F- you you're looking at tape or you're you have your team and you fall in love with a player right and you just think oh my god this person's the best soccer player ever this person's the best track and field like the best 100 and you get to a point where you're not seeing their faults anymore you're not seeing ways that you can get better whereas if you're bouncing off of a gm you know some or even just an assistant coach or somebody they might come hey you know larry okay we understand you like such and such player but they check you yeah, they're too slow. 
to play in their position. They need to work on. They've got no left foot. They need to work. And yeah. you you need that checks and balances. Yeah. So and especially during the draft process or even the recruiting process for college, yeah. where you're just looking. Okay, I get it. You like this kid coming in, but he might. Why don't you look at film on this game, this game, and this game? Because he might not be as good. He might not be worth that scholarship. He might not. You know. Like, why don't you look at the bad part too? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is just me or not, but like recruiting wise, when you're looking at somebody who like you want to incorporate on your team, um, whatever level you're talking about, like, yeah, performance is definitely like you want a good performer, you want somebody with good skill sets. But I also look about character wise, um, because that's just equally as important. Because like you can have like a like a top top like draft pick or whatever tops talent but like if they don't go with like your team atmosphere and the environment that you're trying to promote they're eventually they're not going to help your team like no in fact there's gonna they're gonna do more detriment than good probably yeah even if they are skilled on the field i'd rather have a more cohesive player than a top talented player absolutely and there's been there's been players where i've played with um at different levels, whether it's been high school, whether it's been uh, travel. There's been players that I've played with where, okay, they've got great talent, they've got great skill, they can score goals, but after a while, you're just like, dude, I'm tired of your stuff. Just shut up. And it just builds and builds. And a lot of times when that person, whether they miss a game, whether they're – they they're injured. I mean, you don't want to wish an injury on anybody, but you just when they're not on the field, you feel so much looser. You feel so much freer. You you work better. And there's definitely there's been times more so when I've coached where I always call it addition by subtraction. Sometimes just getting rid of that cancer from your team mm-hmm. even though they have a lot of talent some and more often than not, especially at the high school level, you're not replacing that talent with better talent. But just by getting that person off the team, it makes your team better, and it really does in a lot of ways. If they become that big of a cancer, yeah, and I mean it all depends on your position too, like where you are. So like I look at obviously football because football is probably like the biggest like drafting kind of area that everybody associates with is that you know the first person the first team to pick the first person in the draft is usually the team that's really really bad so like you look at the case it's like all right do we want this really really good guy who you know can give us the skill or do we want like but he, he could be an ass and then like you know but while they're in that like the only thing they're thinking about is getting the best player out there like skill wise so like I guess it also, like, if you're in, like, the Bills point or, like, the Rams point, like, lower in the draft, they have a good team already. You might not be looking for, like, that best player. You're looking for the best, like, player for the environment rather than just, like, skill-wise. Now, do you think, though, some of these teams, they'll skip over culture or they'll ignore culture a little bit because they feel that their locker room is so gelled, is so good, where their their veteran presence will, they'll kind of bring that young kid over. Hey, listen, 
if you don't if you don't cut your crap out that you did in college, you're not gonna make it. You're not gonna make it here very long, kid. And they kind of they they trust their locker room presence enough to know that their veterans are gonna kind of in house take care of the problem. Yeah, I, for some reason I feel like Bill Belichick did that, but I don't know if like the vet like obviously I guess like when Tom Brady was there like. Everybody kind of just like wanted to be playing for Tom Brady, like um, I'm trying to think of, like a team that like has like a solid like captain that like you know like is respected and you go in there and just like even if you're like this hot shot little shit of a kid coming out of college like he'll light you up on the practice field and be like, well the one story that I've always that I've seen on Facebook a few times and and on the internet it talks about uh, I don't know if you remember Steve Avery. Hockey player was just oh, like yeah. a big time trash talker. Yeah, uh, played with the Rangers, but he started. Or I guess he started. I think he started with the Rangers. But anyways, um, big time trash talker, talented player, but he was definitely more known as uh, I guess an enforcer that can score from time to time. Right. So anyways, he was on he was on the bench during um, during the game, and Brett Hall skating by back when he was still playing, skating by, and. Um, Avery stands up to start talking trash. Brendan Shanahan pulls him down and says, son, you don't talk to Mr. Hall at all today. <laughs> so it's kind of like you just have that, you have that leader that, hey, he knows the kid's a trash talk. He likes the kid's trash talk, but at the same time, you don't do it to that man over there. Yeah. All right. Not only it, like, it shows what level of respect Hall had for, or not, I'm sorry, not, it wasn't Hall, it was Newendike, Joe Newendike. Um, that he kind of not the respect that Joe Newendike has, but at the same point, just that veteran leadership to don't Wait, piss him so off he because he's gonna like he was on a different team. Yeah, oh, they were, oh, Newendike okay. was on the other team. Gotcha, gotcha. And that kind of goes to show too where you can trash talk people. It's good to trash talk people at the same time if you piss off the wrong guy, and that veteran knows that all you're gonna do is make him play better. Yeah, I feel like trash talking like. Like Ray Lewis, I think Ray Lewis was like bad shit, crazy on the field, and like, but like he was respected because like people are like, oh, I'm playing against Ray Lewis. Like, but that's that's one thing too. I think with trash talking, you've got to earn that respect. Yeah, like, I think if you come in, and I think that was the point where with um, Shanahan was trying to tell this was telling Avery as a rookie. You can trash talk, but listen, you've got to earn that respect. You yeah. haven't earned it. You have. You might. You can talk trash, you know, to some lesser talents. You don't toss tech that you don't talk trash to the big boys yet. Right. You haven't earned that yet. Yeah. And I think just by having that locker room or that veteran teammate, you know, he's he can teach you those lessons. And you hope that your rookie is receptive. Yeah, it doesn't just like automatically shut down. But like I, I you know, especially with, like, quarterbacks and, like, offensive players, they always think of, like, the welcome to the league hit that they always get for the first time. And, I mean, like, not only is that, like, a realization is, like, I'm playing against, like, full-grown men, not in college, but, like, also they could, hopefully that could snap them out of, like, oh, like, I'm the hottest thing on the field. You just got lit up by Luke Keekley because he studied your ass and... And that's true because you figure at the high school, at the modified level, you're only going to pick when you're a seventh and eighth grader, you're only, at the most, you're going to play with the kid that's one or one two year, years yeah. older. At the high school level, 
all right, if you're a freshman playing up on varsity because you're that good, worst case, it's a four, three to four-year age difference. Same thing in college. When you get to the pros, you could be a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid playing against, like you said, grown men who are 25, 30, 35 years old where they're just – they will dominate you. They will destroy you. They've been there, done that. They've got – 10, 15 plus years experience. Yeah. They look you. at you like it's easy. Yeah. They're looking at you like, dude, I'm like, I'm going to give him that welcome to the NFL moment, yeah. that welcome to the NHL moment. I'm going to light you up and I'm going to laugh about it. Oh, could you? That must feel so good to be the person like delivering that. Like, could you imagine being that like linebacker? Now, have you ever had that moment, though, even like uh, whether it's on the soccer field? I mean, obviously not to the extent of, of the pros, but have you ever even just in like a uh, 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 dodgeball or, or not no, dodgeball? dodgeball. Um, I love dodgeball. In any uh, not dodgeball, your kickball leagues, like any didn't have to be necessarily a big hit, but any of that just kind of, you know, this ain't this ain't little league anymore. Um, probably when we were playing that rec soccer league over the sum over the winter, um, in the indoor facility at Salem's, it's like, but I mean, I, it wasn't like a welcome to the league thing, but it's like, you know, you play against those people, especially in a rec soccer game where like they try to be cheeky with the ball and like do all like these skill moves and stuff. And, you know, it, it, again, it's a rec league, so you could get away with that against like a solid 85% of the people playing because, they're not as skilled and I'm not saying I'm more skilled, but just playing with my friend who is way more talented than me and understanding that it's like, it's like the same thing. It's like, I'm not, I'm veteran in like studying film. <laughs> so it's just like, it's, you know, she tries to cross you over and you stand, like you, you, you post up and you put your foot there and he hits you and you go down because he's expecting you to go with the ball rather than to stay stationary. I guess that's like a welcome to the league. Like, it's just like, don't pull that shit all the time because, yeah. you know, you might get past some people. Same thing in the NFL. Like, you could, you could trick some people the way you did in college, but like, you got to learn that it's not college anymore. Like there's oh, going to sure. be people out there that have your number for sure. And I think, uh, there's a lot of athletes that I think that's one of the big reasons why there's bus because some athletes learn that lesson yeah. really quick and they learn, okay, I've got to train better. I've got to train harder. I've got to train more. I've got to get stronger, get faster, whatever. Or you get the players that, never learn that lesson and they're out of the league in two three years yeah. no matter what the sport i don't like the way the draft is set up though where you know obviously like the top prospects go like the first rounds and stuff but to be honest if i was ever in that position where i was aiming to get to the nfl i would be content with being in the middle of the pack like, I feel like shooting for the top, like, 10 draft picks, that's so much pressure that, like, I feel, like, can affect your the way you play, especially at the combine and stuff, because you're, you're shooting for that. Well, the one thing, I mean, if you're picked later in the draft, you're definitely going to a better franchise. Yeah. You're definitely going to a better team where, like you said, it can be, it can put a lot, not even necessarily a lot more pressure, but you might 
if you're going to a bad organization, an organization that is constantly picking in the top five, where they just, whether it's sometimes you get a um, player that comes in, their their coaches are constantly getting fired every two, three years, or they have new offensive coordinators, or it's just a culture of losing. And you're coming in there, obviously, if you're a top five pick, you're coming in there pretty much a winner from college. Yeah. So it's, you might not, there are, there are. It's a are, culture shock. It's a culture shock. And who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if in some big college programs like Alabama, Ohio State, um, that you're getting better coaching, better coaches than you are maybe in a team like Jacksonville or the Jets or, you know, a a garbage franchise who hasn't seen the playoffs in a while. Yeah. Like the Bills 15 years ago. Yeah, we, like, then you get that, that, like... Con, not what is it? The, the, you get branded as like the team where like draft picks go to die. Yeah, where it's funny <laughs> if you look at New England, even during their winning with Brady, Belichick was not. He didn't hit on many draft picks. He huh. hit on Tom Brady, a few others. I mean, obviously he hit on Gronk. You hit on Brady. I don't want to sit here and go through all of his hits, but he definitely had way more misses then hits, or he would simply trade out of the first round, out of the second round, to pick up more picks for next year's draft, which yeah. he botched those. Yeah, I don't know. Like, to be honest, like, I, I, if I was a player, I'd feel more comfortable going, you know, not 199 like Brady did, but, like, in the middle of the pack because, like, even – because, yeah, like you said, you get put on a team – like on a really bad team, not only are you going to be coached well, they're going to expect so much out of you right out of the gate. That oh, yeah, like, like Trevor Lawrence was, I'm sure, by some Jacksonville fans and probably the franchise, like the owners, he's expect. oh, well, this kid's going to lead us to a Super Bowl. This kid's going to lead He's the captain us- already. Yeah, this kid's going to lead us to the playoffs within one or two years. He very mel- He very well might, but I don't think so especially at the quarterback yeah a quarterback is the very you know the it's a probably the most important position arguably in football but at the same time if you have a terrible offensive line if you have a terrible wide receiver if you have a terrible running back you know you if your defense forget about stuff that a quarterback control if your defense is awful and typically when a team is drafting that high, or especially first overall, that team's not good. Yeah, no. And it usually takes two to three years to rebuild. Took us up what, that 15? team. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, give or take. But even that first year with Allen, when we got Allen that first year, our yeah. offensive line was pretty suspect. He really didn't have top receivers to throw to. No, we didn't. Our our defense was our defense was our okay. defense was good. Our defense was, good. was the only reason we got to the playoffs. Oh, that first uh, the first year, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now I forget we got to we got to the playoffs. Allen's second year in the league, right? Like he didn't make it. He didn't make it his first year as a rookie, right? No, because Taylor got us into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then Josh Allen's rookie year, he ended up starting like because I know he got hurt. But he started, what, like seven, ten games, something like yeah. that? 
but we missed the playoffs. Yep. And then he's we've been in the playoffs every year since. So a second year, third year, uh, fourth year. It was the Texans, Colts, and then um, the Patriots, right? Yeah. Yeah. The first games. Yeah. Well, all right. So kind of like what you said, you get drafted to a team where like coaches are coming in and out. Offensive coordinators are coming in and out because the team is doing bad and the, the owners are always shifting management. When scouting and having a scouting report, you scout on the way that like it fits your team and like the way your team is run. Now, if you get say the coach that has this certain type of offense or the certain type of um, game book, playbook, game book, yeah, playbook, um, and then all of a sudden he gets canned, but he gets canned after their scouting is over, and like you know, like okay, well, we we scouted this guy and he was a really good fit for this playbook that is no longer existent because the coach is gone. Um, but we're still going to get him anyways. And we get him and it's like, he's not working out probably because we don't have a game book, game book, playbook. Um, that's that we scouted him for. Yeah. We no longer have, we no longer are, are going equipped, that way. Yeah. We have, we're no longer equipped to, uh, play his style of football so that's like the other thing is just um um you've got to be you've got to know who you're going after which i what i feel bad is like okay look in jacksonville with trevor we'll we'll go back with jacksonville and trevor lawrence when he was picked you thought urban meyer was going to be the head coach yeah I mean, not to say that, not to say, I, I don't even know who their new coach is, but not to say that their new coach wouldn't have drafted um, Trevor Lawrence right. if he was in there, but it's it's a different philosophy. Like you said, Urban Meyer wanted him. He, he knew this kid was coming in. He had a year to get ready. Um, not only that, you went, you drafted uh, Travis Etienne, who I think was his college running back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, you you drafted other players to keep him comfortable, and next thing you know, like you said, that philosophy changes, and maybe that coach won't have picked ATM because maybe yeah. he doesn't um, value running backs. He doesn't fit the scheme anymore. Maybe he doesn't fit the scheme. Maybe you want more speedy wide receivers. Maybe you want to play more of a different scheme than Trevor Lawrence's capable of running yeah well and that's the thing too like good scouting and good drafting or recruiting is like you look at how like the Bengals did it i just gotta stop moving this but it keeps sinking down um like they got joe burrow and then they got they got jamal chase like teammates and automatically there's that chemistry so that was good thinking on like the whole Absolutely. Like, like the whole staff together is just like we got these two guys that played together in college. They know each other. No longer like the quarterback has to work with all the wide receivers and get into a group. That's the rhythm. And look, it's brought him to a Super Bowl because Joe Burrow would get like six touchdowns a game. Thirteen seconds and we would have been in that Super Bowl instead of Hey, I love Joe Burrow. Big Joe. I he's one though, and I, I like him too. I like the swagger, I like the player. But he's another one where I really feel that they could have a huge step back this year. Like, Why? I feel that they could. You have Baltimore that was, I mean, Baltimore, talk about having injuries. Everybody, offensive and defense. a terrible team now. 
but they're a tough team. And they'll, I think they'll at least take a, a win or two away from Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's terrible. He, uh, Cleveland, if Deshaun Watson plays, who knows if that team is good or not. Yeah, I don't... Their defense is... Cleveland's defense, I'll tell you, is pretty nasty. I think their defense is, is, is above average. They're almost in the position where Buffalo's defense was pre-Josh Allen, where it was good to really good, but now if Watson comes back, and who knows, he might be a complete bust after missing a year and dealing with all the stuff that he did. I mean... But if he comes in and he gives you even a Lamar Jackson or better type of season, they could be competing for uh, the title. The Ravens, again, who knows if Lamar Jackson, speaking of that, who knows if he was really hurt, if he was just struggling, if it was injury after injury. Baltimore could come back. I'm getting a big RG3 feel from Lamar Jackson. Could be. You're not the first person that said that. Could be. Could be. Because, you know, RG3 was like this new style quarterback and like got that ACL tear and instantly it was just like. And that's what you feel. And I'm not going to lie. I'm glad that this year, because I was starting to kind of feel a little something similar to Allen with that with all the design runs the year before that they were calling. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they really backed off, but he... He does it he, just to do it. He does it when plays break down, mm-hmm. where, which is what you want. You still don't want your quarterback... He's not trigger-happy with it. No. But early on in his career, his great. second year, even a little bit into his third year, he was very much, okay, I don't see anything, let me go. Okay, I don't see anything, let me go. Like, he was very much get out of the pocket and go. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean... Last year, for sure, he definitely started backing off. He hung in the pocket, sometimes too much, but he was always looking for the throw now. Right. Whereas before, very early on in his career, he wasn't. Early on in his career. I mean, the guy's only been in the league four years (laughs) now, so. Yeah. But that's where I think you get that athlete where I think he, whether he was coached differently, whether it was coming from coaching or just himself, I think that's where he realized Listen, I need that's the next step I need to take. I need to fix that. And I think he's done. And we talked about bus where if he didn't have that right mentality, we could be talking about Buffalo needing to draft a quarterback this year or next year because he wouldn't have been willing or wanting to put in that work to change that stuff about him, to adapt. So I think like the big example that pops in my head is you remember when Peyton, well not Peyton, when um Eli Manning got drafted and he got drafted to the Chargers mm-hmm. and he ex- like fully expressed how he didn't want to go to the Chargers at all and yet they still drafted him. On on the Chargers side of it, before the trade was set up for them to trade for Drew Brees instead. Um, no, they traded for Philip Rivers. Oh yeah, Philip Rivers. I'm sorry, Drew Brees was the quarterback. Drew Brees was the quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Um, for Philip Rivers, like, why would you draft a quarterback just because he was good, even though he didn't want to be on your team? You hold him hostage to get like big time picks because they got, I believe, they got Philip Rivers, who ultimately they probably would have picked instead of Eli, but you get. The quarterback probably once you hear that Eli didn't want to play for you, you get the quarterback that you wanted, and you get they got what a f- 
the next year's first and a couple of seconds. Like they got pretty decent, a pretty decent haul of draft picks. What what do you con- what do you consider as a draft bust? Before I answer that though, I kind of want to go back to your thing on Eli. I hate to say it, and I know it's not the first time because I know Eric Lindros did it when he got drafted. A couple other players, uh, I think um, uh, John Elway when he got drafted by the Colts. I think that's. I think that's terrible that a player does that. Like, you come out, I don't care how hard, I'm not going to that team. Pick me and I'm not going to play for you. Yeah. At that point, like who, who are you? Who are you, man? Who are you? You're like, nobody until you get drafted somewhere. Exactly. Like, you should be you should be thanking your lucky stars that you're good enough to play professional anything. Yeah. Not let alone be considered the best in your draft class. You should be you shouldn't be like, well, I'm not playing for Philadelphia. I'm not playing for Quebec, uh, which Lindros did. I'm not playing you gotta trade if you pick me, I'm not gonna play. You know what? If I'm I I guess in you can't really say that because it is a business. It would have been great if the Chargers picked him and said, All right, fine. You don't wanna play for us, you're not playing for anybody because we have your rights. And you're never gonna see a team do that because there's too much money involved. Right. There's too much too much at stake. Yeah. That's yeah, but at the same time, you want to, from a person, an outsider that has nothing to, nothing to, vent, gain or lose from it, you want to see that happen. But like, why? You, you're you're nobody in this league. You haven't done anything in this league, and you're coming into our league, and you're gonna tell us where you want to play. That's not how it works, kid. Well, like you look at it as like, dude, you can draft me. Like, I don't like your team. I don't like that I'm going to a really, really bad team. But you can draft me, and I can play. I don't have to play wholeheartedly. And, yeah, I still get half of, like, um, half of what you're going to sign me for, and it's going to be millions of dollars. Okay, I can take being on a team that sucks, and I don't want to be here, to get paid more than I ever would not playing professional. Yeah. And you know what? If and I, you, you're gonna get the counter. Well, these kids only have ten years, maybe, you know, anywhere from five to ten years, fifteen years to play and make their money. But you know what? If you really don't like playing for that team, like you said, play your contract through, and then you can tell them, all right, I'm not re-signing a contract. They can franchise tag you this and that, but oftentimes the teams are just looking. They'll trade you, yeah. so they can get their draft picks back. Or if you make it to your first NFL contract, your free agency, sign with whoever you want. Sign if you want to go with the the team that's going to pay you the most, if you want to go back and play for your hometown team, if you want to play for a Super Bowl contender. You've earned that right as a free agent. What is it, five, six, seven years in the league? Four or five years in the league? Play for whoever you want. Like, I don't understand the whole franchise tagging. I don't. So franchise tag is... If your contract is up, I still own your rights. I can franchise tag you, which means I have to give you, I think it's the, I have to give you the average salary of the top, it's either top three or top five players in your position. So if you're the, if you're a quarterback and I franchise you, I have to pay you, if the top quarterbacks are making 40, 45, and 47, I average those three out, and that's what I have to pay you. There's no negotiations. I have to pay you that. 
Um, Interesting. You can either. How long is that for then? Just for one year. Just for one year. That's for the that's for the next season. So that next season, you're making what? Forty four, forty three so million. So you franchise me. You only franchise me for one year. I only. Fr- I, I can do it again next year. I can franchise you twice. But then after that, you're gone. So in theory, in in theory, if you're a first round pick, you'd have to play out your five year rookie deal. You can be franchised two years in a row, but the second year it goes to something ridiculously high where it's, um, they've got to pay you this. Uh, this maybe it's the first year franchise, they average a top five. The second one it's a top three, so it it'll bump it up even higher. Okay, but um. After the second year of franchising, then in theory you'd have you'd be stuck with them for seven years. Now you know as well as I do, if you make enough noise to get out, if you demand a trade, and a team's only a team can't franchise anything. You only get one person that you can franchise. And oh, so you only have one franchise. And that's yes, it. that's it. So if I'm the Rams or if I'm the Bills, I can't franchise Stephon Diggs. Franchise Josh Allen. I can only pick. I can only franchise one. Where do you get the franchise? What do you mean? Like it's just everybody gets a franchise tag. You don't have to use it. Do you get one every year? Yeah, oh. you get one every year. Okay. Typically, it's used on a quarterback because you know they're your big ticket items. Like no punter is getting franchise tagged. I feel like Janikowski should have gotten franchised as a kicker. Uh, he played in the league for like. It was like 18 years. He was the Iron Man. He talk about he was the only, maybe not the only, but he was a first round pick for a kicker. Yeah. Like, who wastes a first round pick on a kicker? But he was money. How do you get scouted for being a kicker? I guess the same way. I mean, you've got scouts that are looking at. How far do you kick? I kick about 67. Is that sold? A, is that a clear day? No. What's on a clear day? 72. Yeah. Coach, I can make a 72-yard field goal. Okay. We're going to pick you. We're going to pick you fourth round, which is still high for a kicker. How much are you going to pay me? We're going to pay you. Your rookie contract <laughs> should be about two, to like 10 mil. Okay. No, for a kicker? 10 mil? I don't think they're getting that much. No, they're like. Maybe, a fir- maybe Janikowski did in his rookie deer. Well, that was still a long time ago. No, I mean like the rookie deal, ten mil, like five guaranteed. Yeah, so for any for any first rounder. Oh means, yeah, that means they're making like a mil a year. Listen, give me a mil a year to do anything. You're gonna give me a million dollars to walk out and kick field goals, and kick off the the game. I don't have to tackle anybody. I don't get tackled. If they touch me, it's a penalty. Okay. For the rest of the time I sit there. <laughs> You're going to pay me a million dollars to do that? <laughs> Sign me up. Now, what do you think is easier? Kicker or punter? Kicker. You think? I would think a punter is easier, especially if you're on. Like, how many times this year did Buffalo not punt at all? Yeah, but when you do punt, you have to punt specifically. That's the thing with a kicker. Well, you got to kick specifically. You can't just. I mean, you've got to be accurate. Well, yeah, but like for a kicker, you know, most kickers tend to have some sort of like soccer-ish um, background because a lot of them wear soccer cleats. Oh, for sure. Um, 
and you know you you learn to like kick with like the inside of your foot to get under it you get the leverage yeah you have to worry about placement and stuff but for punting there's different types of punts and the different types of way the ball has to be held and True. that's and that's on you True. For a kicker, I mean, somebody else is holding it or it's on a stand. Very true. But at the same time, like if you're on a very good team, if you're on a, a good offensive team, Kansas City, Buffalo, Green Bay, your kicker's going out there at least at least four to five extra points, maybe throwing a field goal or here or there. So you're you're kicking the ball. Let's say, let's say Four touchdowns, three field goals. That's what? 28, uh, three field goals, 20 or 37 points. Yeah. So you might not even do that much. Let's say four touchdowns, four touchdowns and a field goal, 31 points total in a game. So you're kicking five times, and you've got to be accurate. Let's say that field goal's a decent one. Let's say that field goal's 45 yards. If you're scoring that many points, 35, 40 points a game, how many times realistically are you punting the ball? Yeah, I'd rather be a kicker. Punting, I feel like there's way more pressure. I feel like if you're on a terrible team, there could be pressure on a punter because you're probably going out there and punting six, seven, eight times. Well, you got to worry about placement of like if you're punting and you're like on like your own like 20. You gotta rocket that thing down and pray it like you have to hit in a way that it bounces forward. And yeah, but out. I think you've punted so many balls where you just unless you're. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been times our punter Hack or Hawk or whatever his name was shanked more than a few. Yeah. Well, what was the, was it this year where like they would punt it and it would kind of like stop and go down? When that was really that wind. That was the really windy game where like they punt it for like maybe five yards. <laughs> but that was um, the Patriots game, yeah. But um, um, you know who they're bringing in for like who they're like recruiting and drafting for punters now, are rugby punters. Yeah, very true. Like I mean, that's a new thing. Like how just how um, I don't know. Back in the I don't know when, like the seventies, eighties, there was like that that span of barefoot kickers. Oh yeah, where kickers would go out barefoot. Well, even the kickers before they would always hit with just the toe, like yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't do it soccer style. They would just do it full on toe ball style. Yeah, but that's back when you know the f- extra point was like on the goal line. Yeah, which I mean, you can definitely get more more distance with your toe. You don't oftentimes know where the heck that ball's going. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd much rather like I think my longest field goal is like. 35, maybe 40, pushing it. I cranked a 42-yarder at Canisius when, um, I don't know if you've done the the football course or the football classes or whatever, we'd get on the field and play them uh, as part of being like phys ed. You didn't have to do subject or uh, sports courses? No. Oh, are you serious? We had to do like one of it. uh, They were each five-week courses in a 15-week course where one was, like, one was floor hockey. It was five weeks of floor hockey, five weeks of football, five weeks of was it basketball, something else. And basically, we'd go out there and we would play five weeks of, like, flag football. Like, we'd play, we'd split the, the fields up, and we'd do, like, five or six games. You never did the sports-related no. courses? Oh, they were awesome. They were awesome. 
But anyways, on the on the football in the football course, you know, we would do we would kick extra points and kick this. I drilled one from forty two. That was about it. But I was I was pretty consistent. I'd say from like thirty five, thirty five. After thirty five, I got a little dicey. Yeah, but and in, that's with nobody rushing you. That's with nobody rushing me. That's with just somebody snapping the ball, somebody placing it down and holding it, and me kicking the ball. Yeah, nobody rushing you. That's like the thing, like, you know, especially us soccer players are like, yeah, I could be a kicker. And then it's just like realizing that 250-pound men are running at me. Like, granted, they're not trying to hit me. They're trying to block the, the kick. But still, it's just like I wouldn't be able to kick straight if I do that. Well, I don't know if you remember. And this is going way back into 94, 95. Tony Miola, the form, the U.S. men's goal te- uh, goalkeeper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went. He tried out for the New York Jets for punting. Like he he um, tried out for their team. He went to uh, preseason, played in a few preseason games. He got cut because half of the time they called him Captain Shank, where he'd go out there and you'd think a, a goaltender would have no problem punting it's that ball. ball, but it's a different ball. So a lot of times he was shanking, and he would even said. In soccer, nobody's rushing to try to tackle me while while I'm punting the ball. If anything, I've got plenty of time, and they're walking away from me. Yeah. So. Well, also, like, punters in soccer, like, you know, as a goalkeeper, I remember I was always, I prefer to throw it because I would lob that ball farther than I could throw, kick it. But, um, and I was way more accurate. But with a, with a punting it, you kind of let it go in a regular punt. But instead of going up, you kind of go from the side mm-hmm. because you want to get kind of like a curl to go with it too. Like in football, it's like up. Yep. And, and and the thing is, soccer player, like soccer goalkeepers and stuff, we have to be kind of like flexible and stuff. But those punters in the football, like their leg goes up over their head. Like oh, yeah. You need that full extension of that. And like it has to be quick, precise, and like – Go where you need it to go. Oh, for sure. And, like, you have to get a ball, like a soccer ball. It doesn't matter really. Like, well, yes, it is. But, like, when punting a ball and stuff, it doesn't really matter where you kick it because everything on the ball is, like, barely the same. But you can't punt a football with the laces down. No. You have to get the ball and, like, rearrange it, have it in the area you need it to, and kick it. Oh, for sure. And, like you said, you got... 250, 300 pound men trying to run and take your head off before you kick it. Yeah. No, it's just, just honestly, <laughs> thinking of like the way, like the, 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 the combine and this stuff is how it's set up. It's just for kickers, you just see a bunch of people like in a line and they would walk up. They're like, all right, number 32. You ready? They're like, yeah. And they hike it to the person. And all of a sudden, like, this guy just starts running at them and, like, punts it. They're like, all right, good. Next person. No bench pressing. Because who who needs a jacked kicker? Well, that's one thing about Janikowski. He was jacked, too. He, he didn't need to be jacked. He no, just but he did was it like, for himself. A lot of, like, I wouldn't be surprised if. If he had a coach, you could make a linebacker out of him. Like he was, he had he to was, have been. He was huge. He had to have been like over two twenty five and like jacked. Yeah, he was. He was. He was lifting with with the linebackers just because, just for the hell of it. Like I feel like if they just got decimated with injuries <laughs> during a game, you could look at him and be like, "All right, Sebastian, linebacker, go in and hit somebody." 
go. And he'd be fine. Yeah, Sebastian Manis- uh not Maniscalco, that's a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's punting or kicking that well. Sebastian. Janikowski. Janikowski. When did he retire? It had to have been probably going on 10 years. Maybe he made it to 2015. 18. He retired in 2018, really? Yeah. Wow, I was thinking it was closer to like 2010. No, he retired in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. And what is he, Six what? He's 6'1", 260. Yeah. That man was built like a linebacker. He was a big boy. I would like, like, there's like pictures, like, comparing him to like another, like, I think it's like the punter. In in um in Seattle and just like look at his arms compared to the punter's head. Oh yeah, it's just like the punter looks like a typical punter. He's like he's fairly muscular, but like Sebastian has like these veins popping out of his arms. Does that mean he was nobody to mess with? Is that like he? That's all he's doing on the sidelines is pumping iron, <laughs> just waiting for it. Sebastian, he just drops like the dead yes. set. Okay. <laughs> he just looks, doesn't even say words. He looks scary. I could just see him like, go kick. Yes, coach. I kick ball, coach. Okay. <laughs> like, look at that. There's no reason. He's got pythons for arms. He he was in shape. Like, yeah, he was a he was an athlete. Dang. I wouldn't like want him to rush me. No, like I said, if they needed, if they had an emergency where they needed a linebacker, I'd put him in. I'd be like, all right, Sebastian, just go hit somebody. He's like the kind of person that, like, if a rusher did get past the wall and, like, was able to get to him, he could push, stiff arm him um, down and then proceed to still kick. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he's done that before. (laughs) Just push and kick at the same time. Oh, dude, that would that would be weird. Imagine the amount of power he put against the ball. Against that? Oh, for sure. Now, if you had to choose, which would you be, a kicker or punter? See, if the, now here, the competitive person in me would want to be the kicker because you actually have a chance to, like, look out, look at Cincinnati's kicker, McPherson, who won them their divisional game, won them the AFC championship game. Look at the Bills kicker that lost the Super Bowl. Too soon. Too soon. It's exactly. Scott, but it, absolutely. Scott Norwood? Absolutely. But the competitive person in me would want to would want to, would want to at least have that where we're either going to win or lose because of me right now. Like that moment. Whereas maybe there's been a few times I don't think anybody at the end of a game is saying, well, we lost this because of our punter. We won it because of our punter. Who is our punter? Or we won it because of our punter. Well, you know, it's. I'd rather be a kicker just because. I don't know. I still think there's there's definitely more pressure on a kicker, definitely yeah. more pressure on a kicker. But, but be, I, I'd rather be a kicker. Our our skill sets more toned to be a kicker. True. Like, True. I can't punt. I was a decent punter. I never. I mean, I'd go out there and punt the ball in the backyard, or we had to punt it at Canisius. I was still ripping off like. 35, 40 yard punts, 45 yard punts. Yeah, I'll kick. But I like, and plus, as the punter, you have to be the placeholder for the kicker. And that's always a terrifying true. job. 
Remember when it always used to be the backup quarterback? Yeah. And they kind of got rid of that. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, at least with, like, trick plays and stuff, if you had the backup quarterback, you knew he had an arm rather than the punter who can just, like, can't, might not be able to throw. <laughs> I just remember flashbacks to some of those some of those fake punt throws where the punt, you see the guy, he's, like, fumbling, like, can barely hold the ball. And he's just, uh, uh, <laughs> Keep going. Come back. I can't throw that far. Well, no, and then did you ever see that, like, I don't know if it's famous, but, like, a more um, popular video of, like, this punter who, like, this guy, it's in an NFL game, and, like, this, this rusher is coming up and, like, about to block the punt, and instead of, like, punting it, the guy brings it around his back, like, so avoids the thing, and then proceeds to run off. Have you ever seen that video? No. I'm pulling it up for That's you That's right kind of cool, though. Like, when you, when, like, punters, punters can definitely be, pretty cool oh brian mormon i thought was he might have been our best player during that drought year like he and not only that he wasn't as jacked as janikowski but he was fast he was athletic like he was another one where you can kind of see all right brian why don't you go out and just be a running back for a few plays like he was and i remember him doing i don't know if he ever threw the ball during a fake punt but i know he ran for a few and got the first down he was pretty consistent too I just found NFL worst punts of all time, and the cover picture is uh, <clears throat> the Bills. Who? Which punter? I don't know. It doesn't show the number. But this one is the one I'm thinking of is um, Kevin Huber from the Bengals. He did it on a preseason game um, in four years ago, like 18. So it does a lot. It's a, it's a new one. We're watching the spiritual, <laughs> the spiritual singing video first. Okay, so he takes a snap. Now, did he try to do that? No. If you I see, I was going to the... say it looks like it was blocked and he caught it or something. Well, no, he he corrected himself right at the. Oh, okay, yeah, he pulls it back. Yeah, because he can see that it was going to get blocked. Yeah. Like, okay. That's pretty cool as a player. That punter. is pretty cool to have that that reaction time. Yeah. He just So like you have you, you do have to deal with some stuff of that nature like if you get close you're going to it's either a make or break because Oh, for sure. I think sometimes a fake punt isn't run because it was designed. No. It was run because oh man, my offensive line couldn't block. Well, yeah, like I think that's like the thing like for kicking, like if you kick the ball and somebody gets their hand up there and hits it. I mean, th- there's not much that you as the kicker no. can do. No. But for a punter, if you take a second less and you get hit or they are right there and they strip the ball like right there, that's probably a touchdown because your entire team's going that way. True, but I think on a, especially on a jailhouse punt break, I feel it's more of the offensive lines. Well, they got to keep they got to keep the defenders back. You've got to keep them back. And I feel like, too, if you know as a coach, listen, your offensive line can't keep them back, like you've got to start, I don't know, even as a punter, maybe you just two-step it or three-step it instead of four-step it. Um, but you've, I don't know, it, it's it's tough. I mean, definitely going back to the drafting thing, like if I saw a person who has that mentality, like 
in the video. Like, if they have, like, that adapted personality that, like, is able to react. Because there's players out there that, like, if it does, if the play doesn't go according to how the play is supposed to go, they're stuck. Like, they, they can't adapt and they can't go with how the game is going. Oh, for sure. Like, if I saw a punter like him... And like, yeah, I'm looking for a punter, woo-hoo-hoo. And I saw him just like, the play's going awry, and he's able to turn what could have been a loss or like a potential strip on a fumble into something progress. Like, I'm be like, all right. like He at least tried. He's consistent with punting, but at least he's able to adapt and stuff. Like, Sure. Now, Hubert, I'm, uh, it, he got tackled like, what, 10 yards behind the line? He's coming yeah. on that play, but still. He like you said having the awareness. He had the awareness to pull it down because if he if he kicks that, that's getting blocked and it's a touchdown more yeah, than likely. Because it's probably it's gonna bounce and then at the bounce you can't predict where it's going. Yeah. So he at least was like, Okay, let me I mean it, it didn't work, but it was better, better it was better than what it could have happened. Yeah. Now, here's one thing, and this could go to to character as well. How important is it? in sports nowadays to draft somebody who takes responsibility when things don't go wrong. Like, even even as a punter, like, just on that, well, it wasn't my fault. It was my offensive line who didn't block. They're, I got three of them blocked all day. They gave me, you know, two seconds to only get each one of them off. Or do you just, you know, is it, hey, it was my fault. I, I punted it in the wrong spot. I held on to it too long. Um, I threw a bad pass. It was intercepted. It wasn't the receiver's fault. Right. Um, Matt ran the right route. I just put it at the wrong spot. How how important is it is accountability in in athletes nowadays? I mean, it's probably more key because I think that that speaks to the whole team thing. Because instead of like, if you can take accountability for your own actions rather than placing a blame on others, not only will you not piss off your other like teammates you, you can be like all right but you also don't want a guy that constantly is making mistakes and be like i'm sorry it's my fault like my bad like, guys. you guys like do, do you get your shit together but like also okay at least you're not placing bl- there what was it like wasn't like leaf like a guy that was like always putting blame on he other always, people he always seemed to be whether he was blaming the media whether he was blaming, he was blaming somebody other than him absolutely or whether he's blaming the coaching staff or the fact that it and that's the type of player I think that has a bigger potential to be a bust. Yeah. Like you said, you, at some point, okay, it's great that you're accepting responsibility, but, dude, this is the 10th time in two games now that you've made the same mistake. So at some point, even even acknowledging and taking responsibility gets old and isn't going to save you, but if you're if you make one mistake – a game and it's listen it was that play out there was totally my fault sorry i let you guys down i'm gonna learn from this i'm gonna do better that's at least what you want to see early on that they acknowledge their mistake that they take accountability from their mistake and next day at practice they're trying to get better and not make the same mistake right yeah and i mean that's also something you can kind of try to pick up too while developing like your like rapport and stuff because you know people go like scouts watch like practices and stuff and if you see somebody like see that and what i want to see is like if you make a mistake and you own up to it you change it after that like it's not like oh sorry guys and then you just keep playing the same way you play like i want to see like a noticeable difference where like you run one play 
and it doesn't go the right the like way because you messed up. Like you run the same play again, and I physically can see like a corrective. Like he realized, recognized the problem, and fixed it, rather than be like, I messed up. Sorry. Um, I'll fix it later. <laughs> oh, for sure. And for me, it's like it in soccer. There's times where you know you're you're screaming from the sidelines. You're telling you know you're out of position. Move over here. You, you know there'd be times where you'll take a kid out of a game, knowing that it's not because they're tired. It's just hey, you know you're out of position. You've been beat by your guy twice now. You need to slide over two yards to the left, two yards to the right. You need to be in this position, and let and you oftentimes all right. Grab a quick drink. You're going back in in thirty seconds. And you want to see how they react to them. One thing that I loved, and it was this year, we had a player, she was brand new, Fiorina Daniels. She was our midfielder. She played outside mid, which is a tough position to, to pick up, especially as, right. as a youngster. And she was a ninth grader playing up on varsity. After every time, and she ended up becoming one of our starters, but every time after she was taken off, she wouldn't wait for either Jamie or I to come up to her, she would come up right to one of us and say, okay, you said drop. What do you mean when you meant that I needed to cross over or what did I do wrong out there? Should I have, um, was the right pass to make a drop here? Or you guys keep saying I need to stay goal side. What's goal side? Like she was, and she was a very young soccer player to begin with. And it was just refreshing, refreshing where I, I could see, all right, she wants to get better. Yeah. Not only that, but once we corrected the mistake, or even after the game, she would say, okay, well, I was doing this. I got beat three times by this player. Oftentimes, nine out of ten times, once we corrected that mistake or told her what to do, she wouldn't make it again. She might get beat on a play, whatever. You're you're going to get beat on any given play. Right. But she would she would learn from her mistakes. She was coachable. Whereas sometimes you get those athletes where you call them off the field and they just instantly go sit on the bench. No, 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 come here. Come here for a sec. And they just, they don't want, leave me alone, Cody. I'll talk to you later. I'm too busy. I know what I'm doing. And that's where you get, it goes back to you get where, all right, you've got all the talent in the world, but I can't do anything with you. And you're going to be, you just get, you get in that mindset as a coach, this kid's going to be, a cancer. Yeah. This kid is going to be trouble. This kid is going to be the reason why we underachieve this season instead of overachieve. Yeah. That is because next thing you know, and you, you call that kid or that type of player a cancer because other it, their attitude, people feed can feed off of their attitude. Their attitude bleeds into other players where next thing you know, you get two or three that start getting that, diva-ish mentality where you want to nip it in the bud right away. Yeah. And I think Josh Allen is definitely like the kind of person that would come off the field and he's like, what do I, what do I need to do? Like, what Absolutely. do I need to fix? Um, especially, um, especially, you know, you can see it, how inconsistent he was and how he switched up his accuracy so much, so fast within a season. For sure. But again, if you have that right mindset, I think you can make those corrections. If you don't, you're gonna struggle, and then you run into that bust 
mentality. That bust, you know, where you're going to be. Then you're like, back to the draft board. Mm-hmm. Good. That, do you, how stressful do you feel like that draft room is? Like, I feel like I would not want to be in there. Oh, I would love it. Are you kidding? I would absolutely love it. I think it would be stressful, but I think it would be a good stress. I could see it being in there. Could you imagine not getting the one that you wanted? Well, that's just it, especially when you're getting up to that point. Like, you're like, okay, guys, our receiver's still on the board. He hasn't been picked. What do we do? Do we trade up and get him? Do we wait? We think we've got two teams in front of us, the Colts and the Bengals. We know the Bengals are going to go uh, running back. We don't want him. We know uh, we, Indianapolis might go cornerback. Yeah. Do we trade up with Cincinnati? Somebody get them on the phone. I would oh, I would love. <laughs> player would be in his. Like, I would be in heaven. I would love being in that world. Would you want to be like making calls or would you just want to be sitting there watching? To start, I would want to just be sitting there watching. But once I get, you know, after two, three years experience, I'd be like, all right, let me, I'm, I'm ready. Let me, let me be the guy. We're going to get this guy. No, no. Are you kidding me? You idiots. <laughs> no, I would love to be that general manager that makes that, that ultimately has to live with that decision, make that decision. I could not do it. Oh, I no. would love that. Would be my. Uh, would have been just like, no, you go for it. I think I'd. I think I would like that almost better than being the professional athlete. Really? Almost. If if not, it's like the next best thing. That's weird. Like it would just be awesome. I would love being the general manager. Almost, like I said, almost as much as being the professional athlete. Because then if you win a Super Bowl, if you win a playoff game, if you make a great draft pick, you you draft a rookie of the year or whatever, you're just looking, I assembled this team. I made this team. I made all the the, the free agents, pickups, the right guys. I yeah. listened I you're listened like, to my I staff. built this team. Yeah. You have some it's you have pride in what you built. Yeah, it would be stressful though. Oh, I'm sure. Especially with the owners in the same area as you. They're like, oh, I'm sure. Are you going to spend my money correctly? And especially if you're a young, if you're a young GM now, if you have already been in the league seven, eight years as a GM, if you've took a team to a Super Bowl or you've built a franchise around and you go do it in another franchise, I feel like they're going to give you more leeway. Yeah. But if you're like first year in the league, first year GM, yeah, I, I think if you don't turn it around, in two three years, you better hope you save your money because you're not gonna you're not gonna be here long. Yeah, dude, that would be. But then you have like the coach and the general manager, where it's just like, like you look at like the Patriots. Robert Kraft is like, build you do whatever you want. Well, and then and, that's where it gets dangerous. And again, I go back to I've said this a few times. Let's say Belichick does two more years, three more years, so that would be five years without Brady, and he goes to the playoffs maybe twice in those five years, and they don't win a playoff game, don't win an AFC East title. I think the conversation has got to be, it was Bill, Brady. You're done. Not only Bill, you're done, but it was Brady that won those Super Bowls and not Belichick. And the only, the the best thing that ever happened for Belichick's career was drafting Tom Brady in the sixth round, seventh round, whatever it was. 
And if and if he didn't make that draft pick, you are just an everyday average coach, maybe even a below average head coach, but a very good defensive coordinator. Does Tom Brady has one more Super Bowl ring than Bill Belichick does? Yeah, because he won it in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but well, actually, no. Then they're tied. Because Bill Belichick won over the Giants when they lost again when they beat them. Well, okay, yeah. If you want to go with, yeah, you're right because he was the defensive coordinator yeah, there. So he has a co- he has that with Bill Parcells. With Bill Parcells, who against Super Bowl twenty five against the Bills. Didn't he, Bill Parcells come to us then eventually? No, no. no Bledsoe no, no, came no. to us. Bledsoe came to us. No, Bill Parcells was. I don't know what he's doing now, but it won't. Giants then Patriots. He went Giants, Patriots, then he went Dallas. Oh, he yeah. went to coach and then upstairs head office. Not general manager, but somewhere in the office. Right. I feel like he went to Miami, too. As maybe, not as a coach, but as like a... As a person. Like a president or something. <laughs> but, yeah, I I feel like if if... I used to think it was the other way around. Really but I'm really made Brady. I early on, especially early on in his career, was like I would be one of those guys saying, if it wasn't for Belichick, Brady wouldn't be a Brady would be nothing. Brady would be a two or three year guy in this league and out. I really over the last two to three years, I think it's the other way around. I it's crazy to think that like if I have kids someday, they'll be like, do you? What was it like watching Tom Brady? And I'll just be like, I hated every second of watching Tom Brady. Who knows? Maybe your kids will get to watch Tom Brady. The guy's never going to retire. Yeah, they're like... He'll be the only 80-year-old playing in an NFL game. You got to watch the great Tom Brady? I wouldn't call him great. You know, it was mostly cussing and (laughs) cussing at Brady. Now, when you say Brady, do you mean Grandpa Brady or Brady and his... Do you mean Daddy Brady or or young Brady or Brady Jr. Apparently, <laughs> um, now do you believe all that hype that he's going to Miami next year? Like a Tom Brady? Tom Brady? No, you don't. There are stories out there that apparently that's the reason why he retired because he wanted to force Tampa Bay into trading him to Miami because if he went to Miami, he was going to get. Um, part ownership and or be given like part ownership and this and that. If Tom Brady does go to Miami, if these rumors are true, then we are screwed because Tyreek Hill will have a quarterback to throw to him. Doesn't matter. And Ty- Tyreek Hill is our, our kryptonite. Doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Doesn't matter. Yes, it does. I'm not worried about Miami. Well, Tom Brady's not going. And, I'm not worried and, about Tom. And Tua is terrible. Give give Miami Tam, uh, Tom Brady. Terrible right Tua. Now. Give him give him Tom Brady right now. He's still on the I'm he's still on the Bucks right now, right? He is, and he he's got to finish the year. That's why he he this whole pseudo retirement or fake retirement. He was trying to force Tampa Bay's hand a little bit, and Tampa Bay, to their credit, said no. If you don't want to play for us, that's fine. You can retire, but. If you want to play in this, you're in this league again. You are playing for us. Fair. And he decided to come back. Oh, I missed it too much, or whatever malarkey he was spewing. And I don't know if you've seen, but have you seen his uh, his new golf pair, the TB12 Golf? Yeah. 
Is it terrible? Everything Tom Brady produces is terrible. <laughs> well, like, see, here's the thing. When they're playing the golf tournament, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, I hope two out of the four people on that get struck by lightning and die. <laughs> I could, I, I, I've got an educated guess on the who the two, two of the four people are. Yeah, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, like just, I don't just a lucky guess. Like, and the sad part is, it sucks because either way, either Patrick Mahomes wins or Tom Brady wins. I don't give a rat's hind end who care like who wins. I just think it's terrible that like I was just like, oh, oh just let one get eaten by a crocodile. Just like, please. Like, a, la, a la Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Have one, the crocodile come up and like just chop like, his hands off. Let Tom Brady accidentally get his crappy new golf clothing stuck in the rudder of like his golf cart and get run over. <laughs> and then like Aaron Rodgers can be like, I didn't see anything. I'm still vaccinated. What are you talking about? Oh, you mean, and then just drive off like that. And then, you know, Patrick Mahomes can be Patrick Mahomes and his kid brother can do a TikTok dance while flying a plane and crash it right into him. Oh, God. On that note, on the Tom Brady... I really hate Patrick Mahomes. If you had to, which one? If you had to pick... Patrick Mahomes. You hate more? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I would have gone the other way around. No. Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Okay. I would have gone... I I would have thought that you just had more time to hate Brady to build up that hatred. No, I hate Patrick Mahomes for a deeply personal reason. <laughs> Tom Brady, I hate in a professional sense, but Patrick Mahomes, I hate personally. <laughs> I, if even if Tom Brady was still on the Patriots, I'd still say Patrick Mahomes. Really? Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah. I've, I've never hated an athlete more than Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I respect. Patrick, I, Mah- I don't. I, Patrick Mahomes, I don't respect even. I respected him. Um, up until that whole deflate gate thing. And again, I'm not one of those people, oh, if they had played with regular footballs, they wouldn't have won. No, I don't think it meant that big of a difference, to be honest. Just the but concept that they did it. Just the concept that they did it. The concept that, come on, you knew that it was going on. And your response at a uh, at a press conference about it was basically just the most uncomfortable laugh. Ever like what do you talk? What do you? Oh, I don't think so. Like it was just, it was just, it was one of those laughs where you asked, "Hey, did you steal my? Uh, did you steal my food from the fridge?" <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about? That was yours. <laughs> had my name on it. No. <laughs> oh man, I had a video to show you. Not now, but like I had a video to show you that. Um, Sorry, my friend posted a time like on his <laughs> on his Instagram. My buddy posted like a time frame of like him studying for finals, and I was like, "Why would you post that on here?" Anyways, no. Speaking of speaking of posting videos, Matt, do you want to tell everybody uh, before we get into our hot seat question about our YouTube channel? Oh yeah, we're slowly getting there on YouTube. Slowly, I think we're first going to start off with just audio and a picture of Larry's face. That's right, me smiling. Slightly to the left and tilted um, with a nice orangish hue to. Um, We will not be showing that picture. I'm I'm still working on the editing of that. (laughs) 
Um, but it's going to be the full audio of it. Um, yeah. So, but hopefully we will be doing visuals as well. So it'll be a full video so you can see uh, what we look like. If you don't know what we look like. <clears throat> and, you can see the studio and where the magic happens and, and, and behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we'll do some funny little skits here and there that not are... It'll be extras. Yeah, it'll just be it'll bonus, just be extras. Bonus material. But um that's slowly in the works. So like I said, first off it'll be as just the um just the audio and then we'll then be more video as you know, technology Absolutely. comes along. I'm trying to find uh, I'm trying to remember what I named, like what are YouTube channels called it's just you know it's just story from the sidelines stories from the sidelines on youtube yep i think it's gonna be fun especially once we get some of those goofy commercials or or behind the scenes stuff like yeah. skits i think it's gonna be great um so that'll be just another way to find us we're still on facebook still on instagram hopefully we'll pop some of those videos up since elon musk bought twitter we're gonna hop onto that now we'll hop onto twitter get some 44 billion dollar tweets isn't that what he bought it for? Forty-four yeah. billion dollars. It's going to be called TwitX now instead of Twitter because you know <laughs> Elon Musk. Is it really? Is he really no. changing the name? I no. I'm just being a jerk. All right. Well, it's that time. Hot seat time. We've got no guests today, oh, so yeah. we've got to do some two or three questions, sure five right. questions total. Matt, what do you want to start off as? What, do you have a question here? Burger King, McDonald's, or Wendy's? I think I did this question before. I'm McDonald's, Ew. hands down. Now, I've now if I could choose one from each, I'm going McDonald's fries, Wendy's for the frosty. Burger King, I could, I don't want anything from Burger King. Like I don't want anything from Burger King. I liked it when they had like cheesy, cheesy tots. Eh, no. In fact, I can't even tell you the last time I've been to a Burger King. In fact, the last time I went there, I got sick. Like, I know. I, I love Burger King. I am not a fan of Burger King at all. I used to love their Whoppers, but uh-uh. I think Burger King's one that will never, like, I'm I'm done with Burger King. So you're choosing, you're choosing Burger King? Yeah. Now, Burger King fries or McDonald's fries? Burger King. Really? Yeah. Fries? Just fries? Yeah. No, you're yeah. nuts. McDonald's have the best fries, especially especially when you get them where they're like soggy and they've got like all the salt on oh, oh there's nothing better. I've cut I've be honest, I've cut down my McDonald's and my fast foods as well. Maybe not as much as I should, but I've kind of cut off fast foods for a while now too. But every so often when I get the McDonald's, the fries, the fries. No. Their burgers are eh. The fries are amazing. Best fries ever. All right. So that was first one. So you're going Burger King. I'm going McDonald's. Not Frosties. I love Frosties. I'll go Wendy's. Yeah. that's And probably Wendy's burgers. Just because they're square. Just because they're square. It's hip to be square. All right. Question two. It's Huey Lewis in the news. All right. Let's see. What's uh? All right, we just came off of Easter Easter uh, a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Favorite place for a fish fry? Or are you a fish fry guy? Not really. 
Really? Not even during like Easter month, Easter weeks or whatever? Not not a fish fry? Huh. I love a good fish fry. I'll do I I like haze. That's my haze seafood? Yeah. I've only been there once and I had swordfish there. I've had I've gone the broiled haddock dinners, which are fantastic, or the uh the Alaskan salmon. I like I salmon. I love that. I love the Alaskic, Alaskan love salmon. All right, so it doesn't have to be a f- favorite fish fry, but favorite just like, I guess, seafood place. Like if you're just in the mood for shrimp, salmon. I don't really have a favorite. Like, I don't know. I guess... I don't. I don't really have a. I don't really have one. I prefer to cook my fish at home. Really? See, that's one thing. I love cooking. That's one thing I've never really cooked is fish, just because I don't want to smell up the house. Like, doesn't it get like really, like that that fish smell kind of takes a while to get out? Not necessarily. I like cooking salmon. I. I mean, maybe there was like this this like restaurant on a marina when I was in Ithaca. Where I got a really nice piece of swordfish, except you're not supposed to eat a lot of swordfish because it contains too much iron. Really? Like the fish itself does, yeah. Hmm. So like you're not supposed to eat gobs and gobs of it because it puts too much iron into your body. I guess it's better than putting too much fat into your body. Yeah, both will kill you. True. <laughs> Very true. All right, so we did... That was question two. We did swordfish, or we did favorite uh, fish fry place. Um, we did Burger King, Wendy's, or McDonald's. Question three. I feel like we're struggling with the hot seat today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing over there. You're like eating the mic, or you're ready to like. <laughs> I have ask TMJ, a so I'm trying to stretch out my jaw. Let's see. <sighs> Do you sleep on your stomach or on your back? Are you one of those weirdos that sleep on their side? Neither. I'm the side. I'm the side sleeper. What do you mean weirdo? I, <laughs> I, I, I sleep on the side. Doesn't I can't get to sleep. Like fall asleep. No, I just like fall. I don't sleep with it up over my head. I'll sleep like right on the shoulder. Like yeah, where, then your yeah. arm falls asleep. No, I sleep like this, and my arm doesn't fall asleep. Do you need your head flat or do you need it raised? Oh, I love the what are they called the uh, the pancake pillows that are super thin. I love those pillows. I cannot, I can, I. <laughs> Vicky, Vicky makes fun of me all the time because anytime we go like traveling, even if it's overseas or even if it's just one for a hotel or whatever, I bring my own pillow. Otherwise, I'm not sleeping because I, I hate. The thick, or like it fluffy in. pillows. Yeah. yeah, I just it doesn't matter if it caves in. If my head is flat, I'm fine as long as it caves in. But I can't, I can't have my head like raised up. See, I love I the just that. thin. Really? Yeah. No, I, I, I love sleep the thin with like pillows. five pillows in my bed. So like I'm basically like this. But like, doesn't that hurt your neck? No, though? but it actually it prevents me from snoring. Okay. Um, I could see that. Like, my girlfriend's told me before that, like, if you're laying completely, like, down, like, you snore. But, like, if your head's elevated, you don't. Or if you do, it's very, very subtle. 
No, in fact, it's funny. One time, uh, there were, there's been a few times, but one time in particular, I forgot to pack my pillow, and I could not get comfortable. So I literally tossed the pillow off the bed, went into the bathroom, and and got like two or three towels, and just slept on the towels. You're a psychopath. <laughs> it was. I could not <laughs> sleep. I. I mean, it wasn't the best night's sleep, but I got. I got sleep on on a towel. I think it was like two towels I put together, more than a pillow. That was like thick and just uncomfortable. Yeah, Vicky yells at me, or not yells at me. She makes fun of me. Oh, yells too. She makes fun of me all the time. What have I used for a pillow before? I think I used a tissue box once as a pillow. A tissue box. Yeah. You call me a psychopath for using a towel, and you use a tissue box. Dire... At least mine's soft. I don't know why I used a tissue box. What I did. I've never slept on a tissue box. I've slept on the floor before. Oh, I've slept on the floor. I think everybody has. I've slept on a. I've slept on a uh, desk chair too. Like with the wheels on it. I've fallen asleep, maybe on a on a desk chair but not for very, I wouldn't say I slept there like I'd say within like 20 minutes I've woken up I slept there one time because nobody wanted to share a bed with me because apparently my this was back in like 8th grade like when we'd go on like school trips and like you'd have to share like a room with some dudes and you're just like alright like there's two beds somebody's gonna have to sleep on the floor except one time we decided it was like alright you know we're just gonna be who cares we're just gonna share a bed and he woke up to me sleeping, petting him. And that was the end of me sharing a bed with people. So I slept on a desk chair with my feet on the edge of the bed. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I would not. You would have lost your bed privileges if you if I woke up and you're like petting me. No. I'm apparently a very aggressive sleeper. Not in the sense that I'll kick you, but like I'm very like close to you. Like, sharing a tent with somebody, apparently, like, my dad would have to pick me up off of my friend because, like, I would eventually crawl onto him. So I was laying perpendicular to him. Now, all right, this is, this is, uh, we're going to, we're going to stay with the sleeping motif here. What are we up to? Question four. Yeah. Either, A, have you ever sleptwalked? Like, did you ever sleepwalk? And you have a funny sleepwalking story. Or... A funny story, I guess, with your petting story kind of makes the same. Funniest story, like, on where you ended up sleeping one night. I've sleptwalked, but I have a f two funny sleepwalks. One where I have, and, like, my mom told me that she woke up to me standing over her at her bed. Eyes awake. Like, eyes open, but not awake. Oh, your eyes were open. Eyes open, standing over her on the side of her bed. To be honest, I would have freaked out. Like, oh, I absolutely like, but so, but I was asleep, and my mom guided me back to my room and put me down. And as soon as I was going down, I was waking up, but I saw a figure. So you saw your mom leaving, but you had no idea that it was your mom. Yeah, I saw a figure, and I didn't know perceptually, depth perceptually, where she was, and I swung. So oh, no. thankfully she was already walking out of the door, but like, I just, I could have knocked her out, but my college roommate wouldn't sleepwalk, but he would pop up in the middle of his, like, I would just sit there and watch him sometimes, or I'd get people to come into the room and watch him. 
Um, Joe, if you're listening to this, yeah, I would have people watch you when you sleep because you were just so entertaining, but I wouldn't tell them because like he'd be sleeping and all of a sudden he'd like shoot up like full blown, like undertaker where like he's laying down and then like vertically sits up and like, he'll look over at you and be like, he'll either say something or nothing at all, or just laugh and then just throw himself back down. Like he was possessed. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> He wouldn't say anything, do it like he wouldn't leave the bed. He would just pop up. Yeah. He would never leave the bed, but like he'd always sleep with his hands like this. <laughs> on his like, chest. Like a house or whatever. Like kind of. Or like Dr. Evil. And then this like sit up and then throw back down. <laughs> That's awesome. No, the only time I well, the only time I can remember ever sleepwalking, and I had no idea I did this. Um I've was probably 14 15 years old my mom uh told me about it the next day where apparently i left my bed went down to the living room went down to our living room on like a our recliner and just turned on the tv from the remote and i was just like eyes closed everything quiet and so my mom heard the tv on and apparently it was like really loud like I cranked the volume up. <laughs> so she came out, she's like, you know, Lawrence, what are you what are you doing? And I just was watching the TV. There was she didn't know what the heck was on, but it's like two in the morning. She's like, Lawrence, what are you doing? And I just kept saying like ridiculous stuff, like, Mom, the circus people, they smell. <laughs> Larry. Like, like, like just like just saying like ridiculous stuff, like just like whatever comments, like, Mom, how what are the elephants? What where are the, the, the circus people? They, they they smell like just all that. And I had eventually, I don't know if she never told me if she walked me back upstairs or how I made my my way back up to my bed. But I woke up the next day like nothing happened. Like those stupid circus people. Larry's <laughs> <laughs> just subconsciously. If, if anybody is a circus performer, I apologize. But I woke up the next day in my bed like it was nothing, whatever went out of my routine. And she didn't tell me until, you know, when I was downstairs eating breakfast. She asked me, she's like, do you remember anything from last night? I'm like, no. I don't even, it's not like some people have said, oh, I thought I dreamt that or yeah. I had a dream. No, I had no recollection of it at all. I wonder what kind of dreams you were having, Larry. Or what was going on in your life? <laughs> Because <laughs> sleepwalking is stress-induced. That's what they say, but I think some people just are just it's susceptible weird... to it or just that's their thing. Yeah. I don't know. Is it? Is it really? Has it been proven that I it's mean, stress-induced? I mean, it can be brought upon by stress-inducing or eating right before bed. I could or, see eating you know, right before poor, bed. Poor diet. And my diet was never the best. Still never is the best. But all right, that was question, what, four, yeah. three? All right. Let's finish it with sleep. Question five. Worst place you woke up, like, well, like you went to bed or had to sleep, whether you passed out there, whether you there was you were in no other room, no other choices. For me, it kind of sounds cliche, but I, wo- I had to sleep in a bathtub at some point. It was spring break my senior year, and we... Um, we we had two condos or whatever, but everybody or two apartments, but everybody ended up crashing in the one room, and it was literally it was either that 
or sleeping like cramped on the floor, so I kind of went the tub route, which really wasn't that really wasn't the, that uncomfortable. Sleeping on the tub that would be rough. It wasn't that bad. Did you have like a pillow or something? Um, I did. Oh, a blanket or I had a blanket. Or did I, you just use a towel? I had the blanket as because uh, I brought my blanket on the trip, and I think I. I think I just grabbed a pillow from somewhere and just fell asleep in the bathtub. Oh, that's respectful. I went to sleep on a coffee table. Hopefully it wasn't a glass coffee table. In the ba- actually no, it was it was in my buddy's basement. Another time I I used to slept under a coffee table once. Yeah, I have to. Which was I'm not gonna lie, even as a kid, and I think I mentioned this before. I found it so comfortable being under the coffee table. Like, I'd be that kid. I would watch TV sometimes from under the coffee table. Why? I don't know. I just felt so comfortable under the coffee table. That's fair. All right, let me, hold on. I feel like I have a good answer to this. Um, I fell asleep on a trampoline before. Outside? Yeah. Um, I slept in one of those pool chairs before. Outside. Uh, I probably would have to say, it's not a weird thing, but like I went to sleep. The best, the best part about this story was is that the guy didn't know I was sleeping at his house. <laughs> did you at least did the guy at least know you? Yeah, but like it was, it's a weird relationship because it was my buddy's stepdad, and he had no clue that I stayed at the night. Ah. And he, I wake up after a long night. I wake up to him watching TV in the family room on like in the chair right next to the couch that I was sleeping on. And like I wake up and I like I move up and he's just like. I didn't know you stayed here last night. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> and he was just like, well, I'm going to keep watching TV. And I'm like, okay. And I proceeded to just go back to sleep on the couch. But like, it was awkward because he didn't know who I really was yet at the time. And like, I had no. Not a lot of way to get to know somebody. Right. And I was just like, I had no intention to like fall asleep there. But like, yeah, it was weird. I guess, or the coffee table, but that's not really like crazy, crazy. No, not like a bathtub. Listen, bath. Hey, it was comfortable. I recommend if you got to pass out somewhere or if you need a place to crash in a in a uh, packed apartment or a packed uh, at a packed party, go for the bathtub. It was pretty comfy. Bowels, I get the bathtub. It was pretty comfy. Although I am small, so you know I didn't have to like I could pretty much stretch out and still be relatively comfortable. That's good. All right, that just about does it for this week's episode. Remember, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Stories from the Sideline, maybe Twitter X coming in soon. Also, YouTube, Stories from the Sidelines. Hopefully, we'll be posting some videos uh, within the next week or two, and we'll get you guys watching there. Like Matt said, to start, it's going to be a lot of just audio videos, clips, but hopefully we can start getting some commercials on there, some behind-the-scenes stuff, or just some bonus footage 
So make sure to check us out on YouTube. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And as always, tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. (laughs) 